0: Ready? This <laughs> volume. Well, I can't do it. Really? Door all shut right. Okay.
1: This is a gorilla podcast—a
0: collection of interviews, conversations, and hangouts with some of our favorite humans.
1: It's an opportunity for us to pull back the curtain and talk about how we all got here, or are getting here. I guess you could say. say. No edits. That's not Just true. Just uncut conversations about things we've learned, mistakes we've made, and all the stuff that keeps us going. It's another way we hope to be a little more human. A little more human. can okay. be more human. <laughs> There's something in there. Uh, welcome to episode eight of A Little More Human. Today we have Scott McCambridge on the podcast. Scott, uh, gosh, I wanted I wanted to ask this question earlier, but I had to wait till you were actually sitting down next to me because we, we talked about this a couple of days ago. Um, you got your start at Gorilla with exploring cameo oh yes and let's talk about yeah. yeah i definitely Your want to talk about this but like nightmare. i was like what did, <laughs> what, did, what did what did you do before that and y- you said like you were like what were you doing before that because like oh hey come into gorilla let's work together let's start on a tv show how about that well <laughs> like, yeah and also
0: I-, I had never met ej or Mashila at that point really or working on it yeah so um, <laughs> yeah, it was real. I called it a baptism by fire, <laughs> like, the other day, just because it was, uh, yeah, you just get thrown into a massive project like that, and you don't even really know what you're doing, to be honest with you,
2: <laughs> so. You know how, like, Malcolm Gladwell, you know, talks about, like, 10,000 hours? Right.
0: Oh, yeah. I, I bet about you Scott got
2: yeah. 7,000 of them <laughs> on that <laughs> project alone. There were
0: 7,000 hours of interviews, just the-
2: <laughs>
0: So, <laughs> that's what
1: it Wait, felt so like. To give
2: us directs- context... I ended up on a – how do I get this context? I
1: don't know. I ended
2: up <laughs> on a fishing yacht with an NBA player and his crew, mm-hmm. and they were going from Los Angeles to
1: somewhere, in South, somewhere
2: in South America. Like They were just going as far as they could to try to catch something called the grander, which is a thousand-pound
1: plound. I don't know what a, thousand, a plound is.
2: Thousand-pound fucaton a uh, 1000 pounds blue marlin okay but normally what happens is if you buy a boat if you're rich enough to buy a boat then you have a captain take it to the place where the fish are hire a crew of anglers and then you fly in and they help you catch some fish and then you get to like reel it in, w- reel it in which is the real fight is like reeling the fish in it's a ton of work mm-hmm. and it's pretty like intense i guess or whatever and um But these guys uh, decided, screw that. We're going to learn how to drive the boat. We're going to drive it to where we're going. Then we're going to learn how to catch the fish without any anglers. We're just going to learn how to do it ourselves. And then they called me and they're like, hey, do you want to come along and film this? (laughs) And I had seen some of the stuff that they had tried to do before on other (laughs) trips and it was chaos. And I was like,
0: yes, please. (laughs) Well, it was kind of like all... uh alpha males you know so right. everyone oh. is right and no you know like everyone's better than the next guy and uh
1: straight competition all oh, the time totally Dude, yeah it so, was
2: gonna be a shit show from the minute that it started i mean they didn't even get out of the dock before it was a shit show <laughs> <laughs> but so, oh no no real question? quick
1: though so this is how scott mccabridge got to start working at, at gorilla is like as partnership but like scott you've been you're i'm gonna hone in on just your editing for this podcast because you're when I talk about you to with other people, I'm like, oh, I think Scott is the benchmark when it comes to like the like the king of editing. It, and at least the people that we know. And sex. Like, uh, yeah. and sex. Uh, <laughs> the old, I was not ready for that. Bit. I was like, wait. <laughs> so my, my, like, I, my brain went, wait a minute. Like, I didn't know how to process that. Um, I thought you said oh, no. sex or sex, and I was like, ah, whatever. He's a king of sex, too. <laughs> <laughs> About everything you can think of, I can, yeah. But I, I. But it's true, because I. You, when it comes to storytellers, you can craft an, a story better than anybody on the editing floor, I'd say.
2: Well, th- that's the only thing I was going to say on this is I came back with 18 terabytes on a hard drive. And then we yeah. tried to retroactively turn it into a pilot season of a TV show that we called The Explore came
1: Cayman. I, you didn't try. You did.
2: Well, we tried for a long <laughs> time before we yeah. did. In fact, didn't we finish it once and then decide to go back
0: and like redo it in a different way What what did you talk about that well well, i guess maybe we should back up a little so yeah yeah coming into it it was very naive you know i was naive i didn't really know what i was doing Mm -hmm. so same um, yeah (laughs) i guess uh yeah we had finished it and it took i think it was like four years of editing on and off sort of thing.
1: This is
2: so embarrassing, no, but it's perfect. okay. It's part of the story. Yeah, this is Oh,
1: perfect. no, it's just, definitely not embarrassing. It's a, you, you never made a TV show before. <laughs> it's a little embarrassing. No. <laughs> we can get into my,
0: the next project I did, which was seven years later. So. But um, yeah, it was Caleb Slane and I were editing it, mm-hmm. and uh, he was kind of the reason I was invited to work on it because I went to film school with him. Okay. And then you guys hired him, and he was like, I think, asking around and... You Know he people were like, Oh, yeah, Scott's not doing anything, you should give him a call. So, which is true, I was just up in Traverse City working for uh 7UP at the time. Traverse, <laughs> talking, <laughs>
2: Traverse City is the uh the uh, San Francisco of the Midwest, that's yeah. what it was. It's pretty cool, yeah. It's pretty good. I always try it's to define cool. geography because you know, yeah, um, yeah, yeah. Um, who knows who's
1: listening?
0: But yeah, I just remember it being a really exciting time, uh, just because we were working on something so cool, and before right. that, it was like. You know, just film school projects and stuff. Right. And this was like an NBA basketball player who had been an all-star in his career and stuff. So it was like really cool. Um, yeah, and we uh, we'd go through the scripts every morning and just try to figure out what we were gonna do. Mm-hmm. And uh, mm-hmm. yeah, I don't know, man. It was just a real experiment. Like we didn't know how to put a scene together. Really, I mean, Caleb did more than I did. He was already good at it back then. But right. Um. Yeah. Over. He left the project after like I think once we had finished it. And right. I think we had started, we actually started with 12 little scripts out, outlines and Caleb and I, I think ourselves sort of cut those down to six. Mm-hmm. So we had six episodes mm-hmm. essentially. Cause right. we were like, well, there was no, yeah. there was no plan to the footage. Right, In
2: fact, right. there was no, there were no interviews. I just woke up every morning and filmed all day long and uh, just documented the chaos but yeah, it wasn't, we didn't even know we were going to make a show out of it. I just wanted to be on a boat. with, right, with right. These, Like they're like, you want to come along?" I'm like, this will be fun. Yeah. 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 But like, so we ended up with all this footage, but it didn't even have interviews. So I don't know when you came in, like, it, did we have interviews at that yeah, point? Cause yeah. we had to fly back out to LA and like record right, all actually- of the interviews based on what we thought we could use the footage to do. So it was completely backwards. Never make a show this way, kids, ever, (laughs) ever. We will never do it this way again. But so Um, Scott was basically taking like, imagine making a puzzle, but just having like thousands and thousands of pieces and you have no idea if there is even a puzzle in there and then trying to make a puzzle out of it or make six puzzles out of
0: it. Yeah, It's impossible. Yeah, and there was a lot of stuff that was really cool and we thought it was interesting and it just never fit anywhere, too, you know. So there's, right. there's just that much content, I right. guess, to go through. Right. Um,
1: well, we should make another one. Yeah.
2: Well, yeah. another show, but not another show
0: that way. Yeah. Um, well, cool. What
1: well, yeah. well, did let, you learn from that? Oh, that's a good question.
0: Jeez. Uh, I guess I, I mean, I learned, I think, how to be uh, an editor. Through that, really.
1: <laughs> For starters. I don't know. I mean, I
0: thought I knew what I was doing before that, maybe a little, but not uh I think it was a big confidence builder to know you right. really can just make something out of anything if you mm. have the chops or the wherewithal to get through it. And like maybe, you know, you have to write some voiceover here. You have to, you know, mm-hmm. chop up an interview and make someone say something that they didn't actually say so you're kind of like telling, <laughs> telling lies to tell the truth in a sense you know like, right well right. oh,
2: that's a good way to put it
0: yeah yeah I've heard that somewhere I don't yeah. remember where but um
2: that's exactly what you're doing if you're telling lies to tell lies that's the worst form of reality television yeah
0: yeah yeah because you know they're trying to hint or they don't necessarily talk about the emotion but sometimes out of context they do and you can piece things together and right. uh, make them say something they didn't just to get at the heart of the chaos of what they right
1: through. right
2: or they don't articulate well mm-hmm. right and you're like okay well you you're trying to say something but it's taking three paragraphs so i got to get it into a sentence or two
1: yeah <laughs> right so you're so, yeah. kind of whittling something down into something that's true yeah. but it wasn't exactly how they said something which is true for any if you guys didn't know this that's by now about problem, videos, that's how it happens. Yeah. <laughs> right. <laughs> it's all. Yeah. So I mean, that was your that was your beginning. I mean, you've worked on so many different projects now at this point at Gorilla. and you, I mean, yeah. not just at Gorilla. I mean, you're pretty prolific in regards to relationships out, outside of here. And um, you've worked with Caleb on a bunch of different things. But I wanted to ask you about that process of like, obviously, you started like, oh, I don't know what I'm doing. But at mm-hmm. this point, it's very much the opposite case, I would say. Um, and, like, you have your moments. I think everybody has their moments of when you, like, you can scale up to something. You're, you're also, like, to a default, like, most of the people here are, like, so humble, it's, like, drives me insane.
2: I don't think it's humility. I've thought about this a lot. I genuinely I don't fear if I know what I'm doing.
1: <laughs>
3: <That> is, uh, <laughs> yeah, I was it just telling your client
2: this morning that I wake up every morning feeling like I'm still playing house. <laughs> really? Dude, it's like... It's like the professional athlete who feels like they're going to barf before every game, like no matter what. Like yeah. it's just like it's the good kind of – it's the good kind of doubt. It's mm-hmm. not the doubt – like it's not de- – it's not the doubt that like is uh, depreciating of of self or whatever. It's the doubt yeah. that feels the weight of responsibility.
1: Okay. Yeah, I, I'm totally – I, yeah. I guess I, I feel like you could feel that without the anxiety. I guess like I don't
0: get nervous before I – start editing a project now. Back, you know, even four years ago, I was like, oh God, oh, this is not I'm not gonna be able to figure this one out, you know? Mm-hmm. Um I mean we, you are the king of sex. But they, after all. <laughs> well it's attention to detail. <laughs> like editing, <laughs> editing and you know uh, that was really good we can, we, we can edit that out. <laughs>
1: <laughs> we will not. <laughs> um what was I going to say? <laughs> oh, yeah. Just, uh... You said even four years ago, it's still a little... Uh, you're like, there's oh, no. just
0: Yeah, there's a tension before you start editing anything mm-hmm. where you're just like, well, I guess you kind of know it'll come together at some point, but you want, uh... I don't know. I never f- feel like I know exactly how to figure it out right when you start. You know, mm-hmm. it's more... Mm-hmm. You get into it, you kind of maybe figure out the intro or the first act or whatever, and then... um yeah, I don't know. You just kind of keep building. Out. It's more, sometimes it's just a process of elimination too,
1: you know. That's like, really good. So you t- yeah, I, let's let's yeah, stick yeah. on that for a minute because I, I did want to ask you about your process oh, sure. when it comes. to Because like in film world, like, you know, there's a script that's written and then there's the production that actually happens and like mm-hmm. then there's the actual editing and like each stage tends to change the story slightly, but all well, oh, for, for its betterment. At yeah. the end. And
2: there's different kinds of content, right? right? Like I think that we should stick on reactive content for a little bit here because a script being written is one thing getting you know a pile of things and crafting it into something reactively is another
1: right
0: yeah like for instance getting an interview that like uh let's just say a three-hour interview okay and it has to be a five or six minute video and all of a sudden it's like you have three hours of it like let's just say two
2: of your asshole friends (laughs) that may or may not be on this podcast
3: (laughs) No, Captured no, 3 hours of-, of content and <laughs>
2: gave it to you and you had to turn it into something. We've never, but that done. Happens
0: we've all never time. done that. That happens like all the time on, uh, you know, short documentaries or whatever it is. It's uh, then, it be, yeah, it does become a process of elimination more than a process of like, how, where am I going to start? How am, you, know, you don't know. So you got to like go through the whole thing and chop it up. And then hopefully in an interview like that, you'll have those sort of like tentpole story elements like oh i can identify an inciting incident here like a wound for this person and then you know you can kind of put those where they go um or maybe you find a great way to end it and you can just build towards that but let's 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 go down that that, scott like i
2: think a lot of editors um come into editing by way of you know you're making your own videos and you're you know either your skateboard kid or had a cool media department at your school or whatever whatever you're just making content right You're touching on things, though, that go far beyond the keyboard and the mouse and the, you know, Adobe Premiere, whatever the hell you're using. You're talking about something else that underlies that, that I think that there are many, many editors uh, that don't understand, that Mm -hmm. haven't invested their time in. And so what are you talking about right
0: now? Yeah, because you're... I guess I'm just talking about basic storytelling, right? Like, uh, you know, if you're editing a video about a person or even if you are editing a video about a skateboarder or whatever... There's no reason why you can't uh, build a story around that and make it have a three-act structure. But right? that's
2: not something people automatically know. Oftentimes, they'll spend their time getting technically aware of editing. Yeah, yeah. But
0: how do you educate yourself on these things? How did you? Oh, boy. I, I mean, I maybe it's just an experience thing. I don't know. Like, editing but, so I mean, many different things over the... You know, I've been here at Gorilla for nine years, <laughs> yeah. which is crazy, you know, to think. But, like, we've done tons of different projects right. and i guess uh looking back at some of the early stuff even when we were doing you know those like amway videos those analytical science videos like classic classic stuff like that classics but, of all time yeah but um i think even in something like that you sort of learn how to tell a story out of this like yeah. what is this you know uh what does this guy want That's for instance great. Yeah. you start there and you you uh Try to look at him like a character. What what does he want? Where does he come from? Does he have and when I say wound, I mean like it doesn't mean like
1: Yeah, stabbed yeah, in the chest you know, or something. That, it's like something <laughs> that
0: shaped them to be. Who All of they,
2: our interviewees are bleeding. Yeah.
0: <laughs> it's just a term, I guess, to describe something that shaped them or oriented their goals or whatever. Right. Know, like Where right. did you so,
2: learn? I guess what I'm trying to get to is like you're you have a a knowledge of story that really has, you know much less to do with organizing frames on a, you know, in an editing software or whatever, mm-hmm. how did you g- get that knowledge? Was it books you read? Was it from film school? Was it just because
0: you're working with other filmmakers that yeah. know more about that and you've gleaned? I think that's probably more so what it is. You know, I, I, I
1: the last part is what he's saying.
0: Yeah. Uh, yeah. Like being around other people that tell stories. Totally. And just watching movies and listening to, uh, filmmakers that I admire, you know, mm-hmm. I mean, I love uh, commentary tracks on movies or just YouTubing mm-hmm. interviews with them. I mean, I, that's like a hobby of mine, you know,
1: that's I, really <laughs> I mean, quite insightful. I, I think a lot of people can actually watch that stuff, but they're not necessarily gleaning all the insights that are actually occurring in those moments, because it's a lot yeah. harder to like, watch something and then actually do that something like,
0: right. And, I, you know, you take something that's, you know someone like paul schrader says for instance or whatever you know and then you obviously you're not doing it on that scale but you can uh, be inspired by that and think about any project you're doing and just pretend to be like oh well what would he how would he do this you know Mm -hmm. that's great that kind of stuff that's really
1: great yeah
0: um yeah and then uh i don't know sometimes those filmmakers will drop things that inspired them and then you can go watch those things and you know There was a movie I watched the other day um, called Bad Day at Black Rock. Never heard of it. came out in 1955. And I only watched it because, um, uh, what was it? It was some article written up about uh, Paul Thomas Anderson. He was talking about that was his film school. Or that movie, the commentary track for that film was kind of like he really took a lot away from that. And I watched the movie, it came out in 1955, and I was like, this is timeless it's amazing it's an amazing story it's a great movie and you know really? the pacing is great and you think like sometimes i think uh oh you're like oh, it came out in 1955 it's going to be kind of dated or slow or whatever you know but it's, it's oh dude a great, some like, of that like, like movie you know
2: that that's a really good thing that hasn't been brought up before is that there's so much content being created every day right now and mm-hmm. you know we're in the sea of that as well with our movies there are there is just such a legacy of oh film oh gosh history and and I don't mean just watch it so that you can like claim to like know about film history the Maltese Falcon is a great movie yeah right (laughs) Sunset Boulevard is a great movie like Mm -mm. these you know and I'm not even like obviously Hitchcock movies or whatever right but go back some of these films are incredible they are just as fun or more fun to watch than most of the things that came out this year oh dude and they've been made so long ago that they hold up
1: Oh yeah, really so
0: well. well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and the it's just genius. The, yeah, they're just uh I don't know. You can take a lot away from that just watching those things and the movies like that don't get really made anymore. It seems like you know. So it's uh, to find things like that that are timeless and still hold up. What, what's really the name what of the movie by... one
1: more time? Just for if people missed it, what's the name of that movie? That really uh, like? bad day at Black Rock. Cool,
0: Scott. When you say movies
2: like that don't get made anymore, what do you mean when you say that? Like. How are you thinking through that?
0: Well, I mean, there are, you know, like, I guess that it maybe isn't totally, I mean, like us, you know, that was a really inspiring movie we went and saw the other night and, you know,
2: we do things together.
0: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Super original and just really creative. And uh, so maybe I'm wrong. Maybe movies like that do get made, you know, but well, no, but you're they're no not, kidding, necessarily the norm, I'm not asking right? that yeah. in a
2: way that says like, you're making, you know, a slight on the current filmmakers like don't, yeah. not not from that perspective but like what do you mean like there's a magic in them that mm-hmm. that maybe is different than the magic that, that's there right now like how would you quantify that
0: yeah geez um i don't know i don't know if you can quantify it John. I don't, there is, is just a magic the, to it yeah. right is there a,
1: is it a feeling for you or is it that the, do you feel like the story structure is better like what if you were to like stack up for instance like well, uh, us is like you said is a but maybe, I, I mean an obvious one to pick on is like Transformers. Obviously, that's God. Not, we always pick on Transformers. Why? Because it's an easy one to pick on. <laughs> not the first one. I like the first one. Well, obviously, <laughs> I'm if not saying like know, or
0: not. Yeah, just, it, you know, and the first Transformers movie was pretty entertaining. You know, I don't know, but uh, it's yeah, it's obviously different from something like Bad Day at Black Rock, right? And, and we Night also forget
2: that, like that in what, 1954. That's what you said. I think it was 55, 1955 guaranteed some real shitball movies were made in 1955 and we're not talking about them right now. Like right. bad movies have been made well, yeah. for all time. <laughs> yeah, totally.
0: So I don't know. It's just, just, yeah, you get surprised by what you get inspired by sometimes. Cool. If You go into something like that and you're like, it might feel like a chore at first to watch something from that time period, but it's really not, you know, I guess that's all I'm.
2: That's, That's cool. a good way to put it. It does feel like that sometimes. Sometimes you feel like, I'm going to watch this for my education. Right. And then you get to the end of it, you're like, oh yeah, that that was not my educa- That Maybe that educated me, but I was totally lost in mm-hmm. that story. Yeah. And it was amazing.
1: Right. So you kind of touched on two, a couple of things that I wanted to uh, ask you a question about. But like the first one is like, so why did you land on editing? Was it simply because in film school, you're like, this is the arena that I think I'm going to be good at? Because... I think you also have directing chops and you have directed things and you've, you've also acted in a few things, but like you've, you've, you've done a lot of different things in this world, but I'm curious why you keep kind of coming back to the editing and why it's stuck so much within you.
0: Yeah. I don't know. I, um, I never planned on it to, to do that, to be an editor, I guess it just sort of, it was something I felt like I was good at and Mm -hmm. could do. And it was, it's, you know, it's a super fun part of the filmmaking process too, because it's where the film comes together. Right. And it requires, uh, it, you know, I think, yeah, you, it's called an editor, but you really are in a lot of instances, a writer too. Mm. You and know? a director, Yeah, I you, think. Well, the, in the in editing cases. and the directing go hand in hand. I mean, you have an editor and a director have to work together and like, they have to be on the same page and be able to, talk about story and things like that and figure it out together you know i think it's it's pretty rare when an editor just goes off on his own and just does it you know
2: i yeah i we've talked about you and i've talked about this a couple times before like i feel like especially in documentary films Mm -hmm. the the crediting is not very it's not accurate i don't think like if there's a film that's documentary like say scott and i are working on a project together and it's you know capture content and it's being crafted into a story, you know, I'm going into the capture stage of it, the production stage with an idea and orientation towards where I want to go. I have objectives. I have storytelling notes that I think I'm going to hit that I'm trying to hit, but inevitably in that process, a good documentary director, you know, doesn't marry those things. It sort Mm -hmm. of directs themselves in that direction, but that also, you know, recognizes opportunity and draws those things out, whether it be in an interview or in a conversation like Errol Morris is incredible at this Mm -hmm. or through the content that's captured, um, just in the beauty of it. I think that that is a huge part of it. Or even in the way that scenarios are, um, almost they're not manipulated, but that, that they're kind of wound up like Michael Moore does this really well. Like he can wind things up. Yeah. And, um, Mm -hmm and I think but you do all of that and that is part of directing and then you hand it to this person that you have to trust so much mm-hmm. that then goes and takes all those pieces and forms them into something that inevitably will add a completely other layer to what you just did mm-hmm. and that person just gets credited as the editor and they're guiding the story. They're, they're really unpacking the story. I always feel like Scott should be credited as a director next to me as a director on the projects we work together on. Cause he's doing that role. He's, he's discovering a story just right. as much as I am just right.
0: at a different yeah. stage. It's just a very, yeah, it's a very collaborative part of it. You know, I mean, everything with film is a collaboration, right. but um, when you're in the trenches with, someone on a big project like that. and it, you know that trust aspect is a two-way street too because i have to trust you just as much as you trust me um otherwise you kind of fall into some pretty serious pitfalls of how to tell a story and you know if you okay. don't trust is
1: actually i mean i'm really glad that you're bringing this this up because trust is something that i think is woefully underrated and then certain career like certain creative fields i think you think trust is underrated no i, I think that the ideas are like oh it's I think I'm giving trust, but I think there's – it's a lot more intense than people realize and like how how much uh, it can stunt creative if, yeah. there's no, if trust is not actually truly given.
2: Well, like we yeah. were joking earlier. Like if, if I give Scott a three-hour interview, that's a pain in the ass. He's – if he doesn't trust that I was trying to get to something mm-hmm. by talking to this person for three hours, if he's just like, Eric doesn't know what he's doing. And he just <laughs> rambled for three hours. Right, right. That's a really bad place to start an edit. So he's got to believe that like, if right. I recorded for three hours as opposed of, to of 45 minutes, I was trying to navigate the conversation to something that just wasn't getting there. Mm-hmm. And he's, I don't know, do you think, do you feel that way? Or do you, are you just like, f this guy for handing me this hard drive (laughs) no no
0: i think initially when you're like three hours yeah (laughs)
3: Yeah, he does want to kill me
0: but no it's true i mean you get into a three-hour thing and it's uh you start seeing what you're going for and you're like oh well okay he had to you know the subject matter had to talk about something that didn't really make sense just to Get them comfortable or right. get them ready to talk about right. uh something that's maybe more serious and you that's know? what
1: i'm trying to get at when it comes to the trust thing when mm-hmm. it's, i think people say like oh yeah i trust someone when they act like you have to have a pretty significant amount of lived experience but also like professional trust and experience together in mm-hmm. order for like what you said like the collaboration to actually work yeah um when it comes to projects and that's all i'm really trying to get at with yeah them. yeah um, so next
2: question: What are your favorite editing hotkeys, Scott?
1: N-
0: no,
2: <laughs> everyone is dying to know. Oh okay. no, I
1: do. Uh, uh, what do that mean? was a joke question. Is this no, or I want to do actually. You can answer it for, for all you editing nerds out there. Here
0: we go. Actually, uh, I uh, Adobe Premiere is such a mess to me that. Um, there goes that sponsorship.
3: <laughs>
0: no, I just it's. I always I love that they put the Final Cut Seven hotkeys as a like Option, preset you,
1: you still use you it's still almost use like they
0: know that it's like that was obviously the best program to be editing with so now that we have three listeners left yeah. <laughs> moving <laughs> on. sorry hotkey no. talk no. with Eric yeah. and Scott <laughs> I uh,
1: I have a question about your projects because okay. you, you've worked on a whole bunch of them and actually uh, shout out to Father of the Flame is actually yeah. coming out in June right what is the date that is coming out something that you've been working June on for fourth, seven mm-hmm. years with Chad Terpstra um mm-hmm. and it is something that premiered at the chicago film festival distributed yeah. by the orchard right it's distributed by the orchard it's yeah. a pretty big deal something you've been big working deal. on for seven years yeah since um yeah 2012 so right and this is something that yeah. you talk about like long-standing that you've been working on and editing like i don't know how many times you, re- you revised that sucker i don't Th- either this film is
2: beautiful talk it <laughs> Talk, talk to us about you know what drew you to it and uh maybe that'll make people want to go buy it cuz that's worth doing
0: yeah Enjoy. well i guess initially it was just some it was a it was an adventure it was fun to go with your friends and go make something you know mm-hmm. and it's the idea of it started as a short film okay so we were that was what we were going to do but then we ended up putting together a little trailer out of some of the things interviews that we got and just out of that uh, a lot of th- cool themes started to emerge and just cool, interesting characters that we wanted to get to know more. And Mm -hmm. we started showing that to people and then we were really encouraged to try to just go make a feature.
2: What's it about?
0: Oh, sorry. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) You're a storyteller, right? I don't know. (laughs) Uh, The film is really about uh, the craft and culture and history of tobacco pipes. But even deeper than that, it's about legacy and family and leaving what do you leave behind and like how do you uh you know yeah just the legacy of not just the tobacco pipe but just ideas and that's cool That's genre wise what would you compare it to you've told me a couple times but um like f- what kind of film does it i'm just saying like or? if you
2: you know uh it's a feature-length it's been, documentary it's been by yeah, the compared way. a lot
0: to like euro dreams of sushi yes yeah. yes yes okay that's just in idea. that like that's not a, like a movie about sushi no 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 yeah exactly and just uh um, yeah, even one of the people at the Chicago show the or the film festival said that it reminded them of that film. So that even on our poster, we kind of like <laughs> put that on there because we're like, that's really cool. You know, that's awesome. Um, yeah, it's cool to just be compared to a, an amazing documentary, you
1: know. It's right. Like <laughs> right. So you guys embarked on the journey about seven years ago. And like like most things, when you're like a young filmmaker, you're like, you, you have no idea what you're actually signing yourself up for. Oh, no. <laughs> Um, no, and uh, like I mean, documentaries Man- are the Can- worst on that. Do- yeah, but well. like Francis Cantman, you're like you guys started it off, and like everyone was like, "It's gonna be ten years before this thing comes out," and you're like, "No, it's not. <laughs> yeah, right. no way." Yeah. And it definitely took that long. That to was make
2: 2007, it. <laughs> right? So, but like th- yeah. this is,
1: but like there's some there's some wisdom there that like you have to like kind of mature into, even in the creation of something like this. Oh
0: yeah, I mean it's it's int- you know you talk about exploring Cayman, and that took so many t- so long, and you're like, oh. You'd think maybe you would have learned something from that process. And then you dive right into another documentary that had no plan whatsoever. And then we just started filming and filming and filming and go chasing uh, themes and characters and things like that. And sometimes we just did everything backwards, essentially. In your you know, defense, though,
2: Exploring came is fun. Uh, Father of the Flames a little better than Exploring <laughs> Cayman. So I think you, dad, learned, you learned a couple we things. We learned a few things. But man, we.
0: Uh, I don't really, uh, yeah, I don't know. It was just such a process, you know, and we didn't edit the film for seven years. It was mm-hmm. a non and off sort of thing, you know, right, right. But the editing really started in 24, towards the end of 2014, when we got back from our trip to Europe and started mm-hmm. having, having, we had amassed a lot of footage at that point and actually kind of had filmed all the characters that we were wanted to explore. And then, you know, oddly enough, you get to a point where you have way too many characters in a three hour movie and you're like, this is not uh, got to whittle. Yeah.
2: <laughs> yeah. Maybe talk about uh, if you don't want to, that's fine. But sure. you know, Mishila, what was Mishila's role in that process? Like, cause yeah. you guys, one of the hard things about this sort of filmmaking, right. Is you get so no, any sort of filmmaking mm-hmm. is you get so close to the subject matter. At some yeah. point it's hard to see straight. And when you're looking at a three hour edit, and you know no one's ever going to watch a three-hour edit. Oh, yeah, totally. How do you, you proceed from there? Like, yeah. what do you
0: do? Um. Yeah, well, I guess, uh, so as we were talking about, like, um, as we were talking earlier about how directors and editors have a, a trust relationship, you know, mm-hmm. I think, you know, Chad Terpster, the director of the film, and I were, were working really hard on it. And, yeah, it's exactly what happened. We got way too close to it. And we didn't we became friends and acquaintances with all the subject matters in the film because we'd been spending Mm -hmm. time with them Mm -hmm. over the years. And so to us, it was like impossible to cut any of
1: them. Right. Because you're like, I know this person. I care about a story. I want them to be featured like like all of them. They got to be in there. But it's
2: hard to be the objective audience at that time.
0: Yeah. And so when Mashila came into it, we showed him like a two hour and 40 minute cut. And he was like, man, this is awesome. It's all there. But you really got to. And Ross too said the same thing. Like Ross Vandewa said, you know, you got to just get rid of some characters mainly because it's not that they're not interesting or good. It's that thematically it's very redundant because mm-hmm. this character over here is kind of, yeah, they have a different story, but the heart of it and the theme of it is the same as this one over here. Mm-hmm. So you have to choose which ones you want to use and which ones you don't. Otherwise it
1: just. And that's when you just go cry for a little bit. Yeah. I
0: mean, you, yeah, exactly. You're just like, man, this. You're killing so, your friends you know, out of the movie. Yeah, it's, it's really not an easy thing, you know. And I think there was a little bit of that with Camp Mana too, like for sure. Having tough conversations, like, hey, I had to cut you out of the movie. I'm sorry. You yeah, know, we cut out, of, you cut out three characters. characters. Yeah. Yeah. yeah so it's hard. It's
2: not an easy it's hard to talk to those yeah. people and let them know. It's <laughs> right. like a breakup phone call. Yeah. It's like you're I'm calling to tell you that all your hard work won't be on screen.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, and they dedicated their time to it, and they opened up their lives, and you know, you would have go to their houses and have dinner with them and their families, yeah. and like you know, so. Uh, but you know, the I guess sort of the silver lining of all that is, is it those stories are going to be way better in a short form mm-hmm. than trying to cram them into some mm-hmm. overly, mm-hmm. you know, over spilling film, you know, just too much. So those we have so many like little. Um, characters that will make incredible short films now. And those will actually be way more uh, powerful for them, I think, in their, you know, stories. So, but yeah, it was just a, I guess Mishila came in and his role in the whole thing was really just to um, guide us into a finished film, you know, that made sense beginning, middle and end. And um, yeah, but I guess to sort of put it, in uh or frame it in a way that people can understand we had a two hour and 40 minute Mm. cut he came in helped us cut it down to 98 minutes okay so massive you know and we long time yeah and we screened that uh for the audience for the chicago pipe show audience and even afterwards everyone loved it obviously but a lot of the notes we got were oh it still feels a little too long you know (laughs) we're like oh Oh, that's weird (laughs) and it did feel long i mean even for us as filmmakers watching and it was like ah yeah that's we got to do something and then just diving back into it we ended up cutting it down to 68 minutes which was really weird to be like we cut a half hour out of this thing and we don't even miss like what we <laughs> well some of us missed it some of us didn't but um,
1: <laughs> i'll talk well that's, that's another well, conversation
2: yeah, exactly, on the yeah, podcast yeah, yeah. at that point <laughs> exactly. yeah. be like
1: oh there's so much i missed <laughs> i know this
2: isn't one of your questions katan oh. but there is something in this that like fast that fascinates me yeah is um there's just, there's this, I know I keep on referencing Malcolm Gladwell, but, you know, in Outliers, right, he writes about this idea that, you know, uh, Bill Gates has an incredible intelligence and, right. you right. know, uh, incredible talent, mm-hmm. but he's next to, what is it, MIT, or the computers at MIT or whatever, and that's the catalyst, right? Like the right. catalyst is that with that talent and that uh, knowledge, maybe maybe without that opportunity doesn't become Bill Gates. Right. And one thing that I feel really fortunate about that, that I don't know how to quantify for us is this community that we have. And now, you know, when I say community, I don't even think of it in a physical space anymore. This community of filmmakers who have navigated their way into careers through this group that we have Mm -hmm. and found their way into all these sort of different roles. And the way that we're beginning to, it, it seems like it's taking so long, but the way that we're beginning to uh, leverage all of those skill sets to make everything that we're creating better and stronger. So when you get to a three-hour edit with so much potential, I mean, when you guys see Father the Flame, it's incredible, but you need that objectivity. And what do people do if they don't have that community? That's the luck mm-hmm. part that I just feel so thankful for yeah, because yeah. I don't, Maybe that's not a film, and it wouldn't be because you're a bad filmmaker. You're an incredible filmmaker. You just need those other people at certain touch points along the way oh, to totally. bring your thing across the finish line. It really is a team effort, mm-hmm. and that team has to trust each other so much. It's a really weird dynamic that has to sort of grow organically but then also be very intentional.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I don't know what we, we would have uh, – we, we certainly wouldn't have got it down – close to 98 minutes and then the and 68 and i should say it's not it's actually 78 minutes now so oh, I think perfect. That's the right it's really
2: a perfect length though so it is it's, yeah, yeah it's great. Great. i think it In feels very really
0: good um but yeah we just didn't have like the wherewithal ourselves to do it like you really do need that mm-hmm. objective voice to
1: you and know a voice that and you I trust think, because uh, like uh, yeah. that that it, like going back to the trust subject because Someone could, like, if you didn't know them, they could be a really incredible filmmaker and director whatever. But if you have no relationship with them and they're like, you got to cut this, you got to cut this. You gotta, yeah, you're, you're like, not going to do it. You're, you're kind like, of like, uh, yeah. no, I don't trust you. So I'm not going to do that. That's <laughs> like, Yeah,
0: totally. Um, yeah, I don't know. We are really fortunate to have that. I don't know. what We wouldn't have finished it without it, you know, without having that. So,
2: it's. Sure. I mean, I would say that of almost everything
0: that mm-hmm. we've made that has
2: any significance, yeah. you know, right down to, you know, simple documentary things like, uh, you know, my friend Peter's story. Mm-hmm. You know, my oh, friend yeah. Peter from Sudan, he uh, discovered that he had uh, family members that were still alive in South Sudan and he was, you know, displaced by genocide and all this sort of stuff. And, you know, we're like, hey, we can do an interview and raise money and get those kids out of there. I don't know how we would have done that if there isn't a Scott mm-hmm. and if there isn't an Eric Mashila. You know what I mean? Like, great. I've got an idea and I can direct an interview and send this along the way. But like these kids, like, it's weird to think about like the way you impact the world, like through the networks of trust that you have. But like there are two kids in boarding school in Uganda that we retrieved from South Sudan that would not be there if I hadn't done a really shitty television show called (laughs) Exploring Cayman with Scott seven years ago or eight years ago or whatever and built a ton of trust because then that trust gets parlayed into something meaningful and on and on and on. And if you yeah. keep on investing in those relationships and you keep on investing in each other's talent and ability to say like, no, I, I believe in your thing. I don't know anything about pipes, but if you think it's cool, like, I'm, <laughs> yeah. I'm in. you know what I mean? If you think it's cool yeah, that yeah. I'm in it because I trust you right? or like, yeah, like I think we can do this thing for these kids or whatever. Like, it's yeah. just like, That just goes on and on and on. And I'm really fascinated with the idea of if we stay the course, it's a multiplying effect. That network grows exponentially.
1: Mm -hmm.
2: And like, what does that look like in five years or 10 years or 15 years? If we just keep on trying.
1: Well, one, we're all going to start to look old.
2: That's fine. I, that's all the people that, that, that make yeah. good shit
1: look old. Yeah. Everyone making
2: like really meaningful stories. I don't mean like cool, like hype videos, like th- that's a different game, but uh-huh. really meaningful story content. Yeah. It just takes a lot of
0: hours and a lot of work. Well, I think uh, if you kind of just look at where we started and where we are now, and just the quality and the content that we've chased after has gotten just so much better and better over the years, you know? Mm-hmm. So. Yeah, in five years, who knows? Maybe, and we have so many cool projects, sort of like, you know, just on the, just right on the outskirts that we're chasing too. That it could be really cool if they take right. off. So, right, Scott.
2: Know. On yeah. that note, do you remember um, we did this thing once that we probably shouldn't talk about too much called Subtext? It was a really oh, bad yeah. idea. <laughs> it was really, it, it was just, cool it was a cool know, idea. This is
1: before my time. I don't even know about this.
2: It was like the moment when we realized that socialism doesn't work for filmmaking (laughs) you really need like benevolent dictatorships (laughs) to get things done but um anyway like out of this creative thing that we tried to make like remember that idea that you and i worked on the uh what was it the trailer park oh
0: yeah how much do you remember of that anything um i still think there's merit in this idea wasn't that there was yeah there was some uh it was I don't remember where the idea started, I guess, but it was, there was like pitch rounds of like pitch meetings and stuff and blah, blah, blah. But yeah, I remember a little bit about it. I, I don't think <laughs> we ever got all that far into it, but there was some really weird ideas about aliens. and.
2: It was which, such a yeah. fun premise that the, the, the idea gotta, gotta, has be,
1: never left my mind. Well, you got to say the idea now because... No, I'm going to. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. yeah, I'm going to.
2: <laughs> <laughs> the idea has never left my mind because it's such a fun premise. It, basically, the idea was that this guy had a trailer park and he was like, he was uh, populating the trailer park with people from like all these different walks of life, but they didn't know that they were being hand selected. And it was because like, he was trying to attract the, uh, the attention of an alien spaceship so that he could <laughs> evacuate this group of people to another planet. But he was the only one that knew. So he was hand selecting. It was this really, cause we were trying to design something that worked within a confined world. Mm
0: -hmm. Right. So it's just like, how do we, that was the exercise. It would be really interesting to go back into uh, the scripts that were written because Sheila wrote two scripts in a very short amount of time. Yeah. Um, Monster movie. Yeah. It'd just be fun to to reread those. And, you know, I don't know.
2: There was another one that was, um, (laughs) it was Grumpy Old Men. Meets Ocean's Eleven. <laughs> and oh, it was that just, was a
1: good one. Yeah, I, that's, that's I still love this. Morgan Freeman's in it.
2: <laughs> no, this Morgan, that yeah, that's different. This is this is uh like you know you know Happy Gilmore. Yeah, the old folks' home that Ben Stiller runs. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's that old folks' home, and then just all these old people trying to like tunnel out.
0: <laughs> it's like <laughs> the a high, it's like the Great Escape of. Uh, <laughs> yes,
1: <laughs> <laughs> I still um, love this idea. <laughs> It can be pretty funny. (laughs) Okay, so the world's been kind of changing a little bit in our – when it comes to media. um, It happens at accelerated paces all the time uh, with new technologies and new stuff. Mm -hmm. Uh, Internet's pretty incredible. Um, But for you (laughs) – Quote of the day. Internet's pretty incredible. Yeah. Uh, But for you when it comes to like editing (laughs) and storytelling – uh, with all the changes like I, I asked this question pretty much of every guest because I want to know their perspective from like their creative field and how they approach uh-huh. the work that they do um, do you have any hopes fears slash excitements about all the changes that have been taking place or for you is it just like actually I'm not much has changed I'm still doing the same thing that I've always done or like w- or do you like oh my gosh this is overwhelming too much like chill out like I, I'm just kind of curious where you land
0: yeah I mean uh my I guess my uh process has been mostly the same just with editing so I don't know how much I see the how the technology changes you know because I don't really do the filming for instance you know I don't really stay up up to date on cameras and things like that and Mm -hmm. honestly yeah, great! You can shoot stuff in wh- whatever K, you know. <laughs> that's K, the new right? Red format is whatever, whatever K. K yeah. <laughs> but I was filming stuff uh, over the weekend. My family was in town, and I just my, hanging out with my nephews. Mm-hmm. And I had my my uh, GL two. I was that's just yes. running around chasing them. You and got like, your GL two you know. out? Oh yeah, that's film to a
2: tape, right?
0: Oh yeah. And I was showing them. And it was really <laughs> cool to sh- awesome. like show them uh, what it looked like. Right. And it's really weird to think about how oh, well they are growing up in an age where they'll that always That does yeah. And their mem- they'll what is like a memory now cuz all you have to do is pull it out of your pocket and like look and, and you have pristine video of your childhood. I don't have that, you know. So like Yeah. but I showed them what the tape looked like, you know, on the little LCD screen and uh they were like it looks so old. <laughs> <laughs> so cuz it does <laughs> kind of look like retro 90s right? whatever, you know, and I'm like, wow, this is, uh, it's weird that a Canon GL2 is starting to look like old home videos. Oh my stuff, god, you know? yes, definitely. But it was, I don't know, but I was telling them, I was like, I don't even think I can put this on the computer anymore. I don't even know if there's an option <laughs> to do that. Like, <laughs> you have to
1: I'm find sure, yeah. some old technology to make it work. Yeah. I think, like,
2: in the question you're asking, though, it, it is a good one, is, like, what is the relationship between storytelling and format? Right, because Mm -hmm. I think that Mm -hmm. we are living in. I mean, we've been living in an age where the pace of format changes has just been accelerating since we became filmmakers. Mm-hmm. Right. You talk about like cameras that most people listening to this probably won't even know what we're talking about. Right. GL2. Oh, but yeah. that's Full t- admission.
1: I don't know. It's what a tape based <laughs> format and then it's a
2: digital format. But then the exhibition formats are changing. Right. All these different places that you can watch things, all these different links that you can participate in them. Some of them are interactive. Right. right yeah. There's this weird convergence that's taking place. What is the relationship between all of those things and storytelling itself, I think, is the the interesting
0: question. Well, yeah, I mean, honestly, if you have a cool story, you could go shoot it on a GL-2 and people would go along with it probably because it's a great story, you know? Mm. I think, I, that's... I think uh, yeah, sure. You Sometimes things look way too good and they almost look fake to me mm. when they're that pristine and that like... Mm -hmm. You know, it's like, I'm seeing too much detail now, like if you drop back and, you know, I don't know, it just, yeah, I guess at the end of the day, I guess the story is what is the king, you know, and if shooting it on 8k or whatever is what's best for the story, then that that's what you should do. If shooting it on film is best for the story, then sure. You know, but Mm -hmm. it's, uh, I guess you should let the story dictate your technology decisions. Right? Does that make sense? That makes total sense. (laughs) Because I mean, that's
1: why we're asking from your perspective, and from what and what I'm hearing is that you're at. It it really doesn't matter whatever the medium is or where you're telling it. Like that story really has to reign supreme. Or yeah, you're just kind of like, what's the point? Like no one's gonna pay attention anyways. That's where like the
2: model, even sort of where we're at in social content, feels very middle school right now Hmm. to me. It's just like we've discovered that we can make this kind of cool and hype it up but it's not a lot of maturity and I don't mean like immature people or whatever I just mean like there's not a lot of maturity in the storytelling Mm -hmm. using I don't think we've quite figured out how to use those formats the most effectively yet to tell the story we're getting there um, and you see glimpses of it but Mm -hmm. there I think there's just way more that we can do in those mediums that we haven't explored yet, and somebody's going to do it. Somebody's going to somebody's going to release a feature film in vertical video uh, as an Instagram story in chapters, once a week or whatever. You know what yeah. I'm saying? And and yeah. wow. and it, and it's going to be good. Mm-hmm. Like it, uh, it's going to actually be compelling if the story itself is meaningful. Like I would yeah. watch it. I don't really care so much otherwise, but I would watch that if the story meaningful. I will pay attention, yeah. and I think that that's timeless.
0: Mm-hmm. Totally,
1: yeah. Yeah, I mean, I definitely think there's so much. I I think that's where all the opportunity kind of lies as well. I mean, Mm -hmm. like when it comes to these different formats, like the story does matter and like we can't be, you can't cheapen things because we're still human. Like you can always tell if a story is not working or anything like that. But like we all kind of look for the fast solution, but that doesn't always mean that it's going to be the best story or the best solution. It's just
2: really easy to make a pretty picture right now. Right, mm-hmm. It's really easy to snap something on your phone, right? And the difference is not in the technology behind it. The difference is in your intention.
3: Mm-hmm. And
2: I think that's really easy to lose. And even when I hear people talk about social content or whatever, it oftentimes, I think they're, they're not actually talking about the content. They're talking about the format with which the content is captured or uh, the format with which it's exhibited.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: And that's actually not the point. Like the point, the content still needs to have intent and in meaning.
1: Yep. Because mm-hmm. we all can, all ha- our bullshit meters mm-hmm. is so high. Everybody's like, you could tell instantly if they're like, well, that's just a pretty picture. <laughs> well, yeah. Um. Okay. I do want to wrap up. We've been talking for quite some time. Wrap now, but up. Like, we... But wait, I got one more question for you. <laughs> um. So when okay. it comes to like, if you were going to give it someone I- any advice that was getting into editing in general, mm-hmm. what would you tell them? Or would you just say run for the hills? <laughs> <laughs> um wow, it's
2: self-deprecating from kate and a rarity I can do it no sometimes.
1: i think editing is super fun and if you
0: it's uh not all that uh difficult to get started and learn how the program works and all that stuff i think you know once you get into whatever like the, all the story chops and things like that and yeah it gets kind of difficult to know how what is the right decision to make but you know go find a you know, like for instance, I cut together uh, a tw- twenty-minute short film just based on a story that I found online. That's a true story that I thought was really interesting, and I just went and found all the footage I was going to use just online.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And uh, a lot of it is old public domain films. That's he just did this and, just uh, as an exercise, just for fun, just totally for fun. And I don't even know if I'll be able to finish it. <laughs> you know, good just because there is, you know, you get you do get to a point where it's like, oh man legal legally can I even show this or right, put right. it out there. I don't know. But like um
1: but you're still I think that's a great
0: way yeah. to get started. If you don't you can probably just go film something if you know, um and start editing it that way. Or you could just find a cool story and go find all the assets you need and just put it together. Write a voiceover for it and you know.
1: Yeah. I think that's, awesome. that's I think, that's, I think that's wonderful advice. I mean that's there, there's, there's something
2: no to the the amount of um we touched on it earlier but there's a, there's a time factor in this, right? Like mm-hmm. you're just not going to be a brilliant editor without putting the hours in, mm-hmm. I think. But I'm curious if you agree with that or not. Is it yeah. some of it just doing over and over, the muscle memory?
0: I think uh, a lot of it comes down to, yeah, just doing it over and over and learning it as you go. And But honestly, if you're someone that has a cool idea and a cool story and you believe in it and... Chase it with a lot of heart. You'll probably make something good. You that's, know, I that's
1: great. That. That's, I, think I that's love really that. Great because yeah. I like you. Because you don't. It's true that ten thousand hours is absolutely important, but like you, you, mm-hmm. not, you're not going to get to the, that ten thousand hours that quickly. So, but you right. have to believe in order to even go.
0: Yeah, you have to care and w- really, you know. uh Yeah, I don't know. Cool. Have fun cool. with it too. You know, that's it.
2: That, um, yeah, on that note, like, what makes you? Because you're touching on something there. What makes you want to get up every day and do this, Hmm. right? What you talk about, like, what is that care? Like, what drives that for you?
0: Yeah, I think it is. uh, I love stories. I love movies. Um, And it might sound, uh, I don't know if it shallow is the right word, but it really is kind of just that simple. It's just a a love for it, you know, and it's something that I've, loved for so long you know and that's i've so cool. done this for a long time and obviously you know you do it at certain levels or whatever but mm-hmm. you know i've been making little stupid videos with my friends since we were t- like 13 years old or something like that i don't you know so it was always just something that i was drawn to It's so cool i don't know that's so cool.
2: yeah sometimes the simplicity is the, the thing it's... that makes it the most interesting right i don't it's even like... yeah
0: i mean i question sometimes if you even really need to have something to say in something like it can just be cool <laughs> it can just be entertaining and fun you know um i think you can get a little lost sometimes in just overdoing it and trying to say something too much you know mm-hmm. it's like it can just be fun and cool and interesting and that's it. out there and yeah yeah
1: yeah i couldn't agree more with that
2: yeah you don't always need to leave someone you know with some deep message sometimes i mean some of the best things just create a feeling Mm -hmm, you know take you to a place
1: yeah
0: yeah cool
1: i that's uh that's all the questions that i have but i did want to leave the door open for you if you want to ask me a question or ask eric a question um because i Sometimes interesting things happen in that because yeah we don't know. It, it's not always turned on us so
2: oh for sure well I mean our guests don't always turn us on
1: <laughs> I didn't say that he said that <laughs> well you know you do though yeah yeah <laughs> sex guy Mary. or whatever you say. yeah <laughs> king of sex king of sex got it the, the sex sex yeah. <laughs> I don't king, know I man king not, of sex if you don't have one it's also okay well I, I it, bring it you do have one I can
0: tell <laughs> bring it I mean I would be curious to know like what you just asked me like what gets you out of bed to go and or for both of you you know like to go do this stuff like why oh, yeah. why are you driven to make films and you know do you want to go first no you can
1: I can go first yeah. okay Um, I the reason why I do this especially at Gorilla mm-hmm. um, I, like because I'm a producer and I I definitely have some input when it comes to story and all that kind of stuff but I know what it's like to work in an environment and in a job that has zero meaning and zero fulfillment Mm -hmm. to like my soul. Mm -hmm. And I really didn't necessarily go like, oh, I'm gonna work in film because that's gonna be fulfilling. I just knew that I wanted to work with people and subject matters that I had more meaning than a paycheck. Mm -hmm. And so for me, everything involved around like Gorilla has been for uh, the love of the people here and the love of the different projects that we've worked on. Mm -hmm. And like, they continue to motivate me at different times. uh, And and in different ways, I definitely have my downturns. And I definitely like, because this is a hard job. (laughs) I mean, like, like, this is just a hard career field. and Like, sometimes you're gonna work 70 hours weeks. And like, you're like, I'd like to go home and like, just hang out with my kid, you know, like that kind of thing. But there's still this, I know what it's like to do the other thing, which is, which really sucks. And like, you can work a nine to five and like and make good, have good benefits and have mm-hmm. cool downtown parking and like all this other stuff. But like, if you don't care about it, it's really hard to continue doing that. And mm-hmm. I just has, saw so many people do that for their whole life. And sure. like, they like have hollow eyes. And I don't want, I don't want that for me. Yeah. Um, and I don't want to pass that on to my kids. So I'm like, I want to work in something that like gets me excited and mm-hmm. that I can believe in.
2: Yeah. That was a great answer. That was good. I think for me, it's evolving. Mm-hmm. It's always evolving. I think that if you had asked me right out of film school, I think I would have given you a pretty stereotypical film school kid answer. Right. And then you asked me again after, you know, Gorilla sort of reactively starts, you know, exploding with creative things and cool people and all this stuff. Like I definitely would talk more about the community. Right. Or, as I, you know, start to have a family and I am actually sustaining a life this way or reaching the goal of making a feature film that we started writing in 2005. Like those are all benchmarks where at that time I probably would have told you something different Mm -hmm. for what gets me out, you know, out of bed in the morning right now. Like, honestly, it's that I think that we have a lot of social influence with the things Mm -hmm. that we create. That's the thing that compels me the most right now. And it's we're in the Midwest, you know, mm-hmm. we have these other offices that help us do what we need to do, you know, but our core, you know, sort of creative team is still here in the Midwest. And uh, there's just some stuff in non-major markets that goes on, you know, socially that, you know, has roots in some of the worst parts of America.
3: Mm-hmm. And
2: mm-hmm. we are, we have our hands on the tools that have done the most to change that,
1: mm-hmm. you know. Right
2: films like you know in the heat of the night like i would argue have done as much for culture as anything any social movement anything just changing mindsets slowly changing mindsets right we get to use the tools that we have to do that in our world that we have you know in our spheres of influence so for me like sometimes that's making a film like i talked about peter like I can leverage this tool to help change a life of someone that I don't know and help my friend, you know, that's amazing. And I love that. And other times it's knowledge. It's that, you know, at Gorilla, like we opened the doors and we wanted a diverse community. And in Grand Rapids, Michigan, like there just wasn't a diverse community. It wasn't happening organically. It was very homogenous. So we said, what's, we, we got to ask the question, why? right and so now we get to use all of this energy and talent and experience that we have to try to empower you know the future creatives and the future filmmakers um so that we can have a more diverse like filmmaking community like i really really care about that stuff and you just sometimes i just get out of bed in the morning and go like if i don't do this who will like who's gonna and not in a way that like is deprecating to someone else it's just like in my position, I have these tools, and I am in this environment. I get to use them. Mm-hmm. I get to choose how mm-hmm. I use them, mm-hmm. and I think like that is the thing that like makes me the most compelled on a day to day basis. And uh, but I also think like it's changing and evolving, and that's part of what's really fun about this job is that it does continue to re inspire you. In different oh, ways for sure. yeah. and you don't lose those old inspirations you just build on them they become this sort of like body of inspiration yeah so mm-hmm. all those things that have inspired me before you know community you know learning to make feature films you know where i love working with clients i love working with clients because i love the relationships mm-hmm. right like all of that stuff that doesn't go away you just keep on adding to it and it creates this really robust incredible life that yeah on the hard days like sometimes i get up and i go like oh this is this is a difficult job, but then I just try to imagine my life without all of those things being a part of it. And I, I can't, I just can't. Yeah,
1: I think that's a big, big piece that I want to like, and I also think it's important for like those that are like, have only worked in the creative field. Like you you should, you should fit like, maybe not like they probably won't because they're going to stick to their guns. But like, (laughs) if you're not working in something that you don't care about, like sometimes you don't know what you yeah. have. Like, mm, that, and that's like perspective. There's a lot of people that like get a job because they think they have to get a job and go to college because they think they have to go to college but didn't have the self-awareness at an age to like go, oh no, I need to pursue something that has some kind of like... But that's what I'm
2: talking about. That's empowerment, yeah. right? That yeah. someone needs to be empowering you to to be brave enough to make those decisions. Right, to leap,
1: yeah. to jump. Like, and that's yeah. what I mean. And yeah. like, I really like... It's really a good perspective just to remember like, oh, not everybody get, gets to do this. So remember that it's actually a gift on some level. Oh, yeah. For sure. So yeah. much.
0: It's funny. Uh, what you were saying kind of reminds me of, um, so Evan was one of my, uh, or he was, I guess he wasn't really. An Evan Coons? Evan Coons. He, yeah. yeah uh, who was yeah, we just interviewed last time. Last episode yeah. six but, um, or something. Seven yeah. seven. yeah. He told me once when I was at Compass. Um,
1: That's a film school. Yeah, sorry. Jeez. Sort of. <laughs> I'm like, sort of. Yeah. It, it is a film school <laughs> in Grand Rapids, Michigan. And when you guys went, maybe not.
0: <laughs> Anyways, he told me once um, when we were working on something that, and he heard it from somewhere else. But he said, "You know, you're in. You know, you're in the heart of your. How did it go? You got it. Yeah. You know, you're in the heart of your calling if you're doing something worthy of attention. Mm-hmm. And it was that has stuck with me. And I, I, well, a lot of times I like the Peter story. It's like damn, that! I w- I'm a different person for having worked on that story, hands down. And that thing that Evan told me, it's like, if I can ask myself that or say that to myself on every project, then I think you're kind of doing something right, you know? Like, mm-hmm. um, And obviously some projects are, you're not going to find that kind of value. They're just, you know.
2: But is it enough. serving that as the whole, at least is it serving the whole of your life and providing, yeah. you know, means to get to those things? Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, because you still need to pay a mortgage. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah,
0: right. Yeah, but um, I don't know. I think striving to find those kind of projects and stories and yeah, just making a difference out there is like where we want to be, you know.
2: Hell awesome. yeah. Cool. This is the best that ending.
1: I love we're it. Gonna, we're ending that so
0: note. So King uh, of Sex, everyone.
2: King <laughs> of sex. Scott,
1: uh, thank you for being on uh the podcast. I really appreciate it. Yeah. Um it's al- it's always weird to have like sign-offs with thank yous with people that you know really well, but I really appreciate you <laughs> taking the time to be on the podcast and uh you rock.
2: And so. I appreciate you not being a dick.
1: I appreciate you not being a dick, but that's not <laughs> always never no, good. All right. Uh cool. Thanks, thanks everybody. Guys.
3: Yeah. All right. Bye.